back, welcome back. Episode 9 of the Man to Man Podcast. Yours truly, Darius Butler. My co-host, Antoine Bethea. Yo, yo. Got a, yeah, yeah. We got a lot on, a lot on the table this week uh, around sports. Going to talk a little baseball, actually. But uh, before that, we're going to hop into this NBA playoffs. And then, you know, obviously what's going on around the NFL with these training camps. Uh, but start. Got to start playoffs. Uh, NBA playoffs in a bubble. Um, I feel like we talked about it uh, kind of briefly on some past episodes about sports in a bubble, no fans, all that type of stuff. How you feeling about the bubble now? Man, I'm loving it right now. You know, uh, for yeah. one, coming on at four o'clock, man. So, you know, give you something to, to watch all right. after all afternoon. But I feel like, man, the guys are they they stepping up and playing ball, man. Um, I know we had talked about it before, like you said, as far as like what type of impact uh well no fans have on a game, but I don't mm-hmm. see it having any type of impact. You know, I think the guys, yeah. um, you know, they they they're professionals, they're going out there, they're doing what they need to do. Um, competition level is high. Um, as we can see as the playoffs started um what last night or the uh the day before, yeah. um, two days ago, and um last night, two number eight seeds, you know, got a W over a number one seed, man. And yeah. I mean that's what the playoffs is about. Yeah, man, and it's different. That that bubble atmosphere, um, I hated it at first. You know, I guess watching the first, uh, you know, kind of practice games and then kind of get trended up to the seeding games, got a little better, and now playoffs, it's, it's playoff basketball. And, um, you know, I see some people trying to make excuses for LeBron and the Lakers, some of oh, they don't have them. You know, the home court, and there's no fans out there. But, hey, it, it's hooping, man. They dropping the, – it's like a big AU tournament out there, man. And that's, that's the part I love about it. Yeah, that's the part I love about it. Dude dropping 50 points. And then you got to see him uh, around the pool an hour later. Like, that, that, yeah. that's a dope aspect that, um, that, that we get that um, I'm sure a lot of us didn't expect. So I seen uh, – when so uh, Mitchell – yeah, uh, he he dropped he he dropped what well, he dropped the fifty seven he dropped fifty seven fifty seven the other night they called the L they called the L but it was crazy because mm-hmm. it was the same it was like you just said like he was out there talking on his phone and Buddy walked up <laughs> on him was like yo it's crazy he just dropped fifty seven on us and we got a, you know what I'm saying we in this bubble together so I, it, it definitely yeah. gives it it definitely gives it a, a different aspect to the um to the whole situation man but I'm I'm enjoying it bro and I'm enjoying yeah. it Dame Dame Dollar. Damn, killer right now. Bubble MVP. Bubble MVP. He's going crazy right now. And, yeah. you know, Melo. Uh, Melo doing his thing. CJ yeah. McCollum doing his thing. So I think the Lakers might be in trouble. That's what a lot of people saying, man. I, 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 don't see, I don't see LeBron getting bumped in the first round. But the boys go down 0-2. It, it, it's a wrap. And man. They lose. They lose. They lose in that L.A. home, home court, man. I heard Shaq say uh, probably right before the playoffs started, he was like, man, this is the first playoffs where that, that pressure is kind of off, you know, having to try to go to another person's gym and get two wins. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the same gym every night. Every night, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the partnership, you know, you know, at the playoffs, you don't want a Super Bowl. You know it's really about what teams get hot at the right time. The right time yeah. kind of been in playoff mode for like the last – Two weeks now, so mm-hmm. uh, the boys, the boys are, are the boys get after man. I know watching that game last night, it, it, it was it was great to see. Yeah, man, and then like you said, as far as like you know, folks making excuses for LeBron, a man had a triple double, but his yeah. role players, man, his role players didn't, didn't didn't come to play last night. In my in my opinion, um, they did, they did. You know, in my opinion, I don't think they came to play. Um, I think he has to be a little bit more assertive. You know, what I mean, I know he's the. Uh, a great, great all-around player. You know, he's going to pass. He's going to get his players involved. 
Um, I think that's kind of been the knock of his his spectacular career. I don't know how you can have a knock on a spectacular career, but yeah. Um, I just think right now with you know, uh, you know Avery Bradley being gone, you know Rondo being gone, you know vet guys who's who has a lot of you know game experience under their belt. I just think something he got to put this, that book bag on a little a little earlier than expected. Yeah, he 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 got he got he got to get more aggressive. Man. His stat line was crazy last crazy. night. Uh, even for LeBron, I'm sure he broke some type of record. I saw he broke some type of uh, Magic Johnson assist record. Assist record, but, yeah. Yeah, but like you said, man, for the, for the Lakers to win, and people talking about to win the championship, I'm talking about this series. For the Lakers to win this series, LeBron got to go out there and have like a 35 plus point night. You know, nine nine assists, 12, 13 rebounds, like that mm-hmm. type of stat line. The 20, 20, 25, 15 to 15, I don't feel like that's going to get it done. As crazy as that sounds. <laughs> crazy. Uh, it sounds crazy. I, it, it's crazy because that, that's what we expect from the broader. When you look yeah. at that team, the L.A. team, and how they're made up, um, if those guys aren't hitting their open shots, they're not really made like – I don't know the third score that you can just dump it off to and get his own bucket consistently. Kuzma has some up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Green haven't been hitting shots lately. KCP haven't been hitting. Right. JR maybe could get a little more burned. Deion Waiters. Waiters. Um, hopefully the boys figure it out. I, I, some. I'm sure watching Portland play, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Because like, like you said, like I'm, I'm always for the underdog. I'm always for the underdog. Yeah. And I feel like – um, and like you said, they've been in playoff mode since they entered the bubble so yeah they have that um they have that momentum going into the playoffs man and and they know what they're supposed to do you know i think each 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 guy on the court knows their role and they play that role um to the t you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i think like i said man you know I'm, I'm a huge lebron fan but um watching that game man i think they uh i, I think the lake is in trouble bro yeah, they're in trouble, man. Everybody talk about the Lakers, but on the other side, the other one seed on the east side, they took an L two to the Magic mm-hmm. Bucks. Greek Freak led Bucks, you know, MVP of the league, most likely led Bucks, lost to the Magic in their first game. You think they're in trouble too? Uh I don't know. I don't know. I think it was. I, you know, I, I never want to be like, yo, it's, it was a fluke. You know what I mean? Because you gotta, you gotta go out there and you gotta play the game. You know what I'm saying? You gotta play the game. Um, you gotta make baskets. You know what I'm saying? Y'all mm-hmm. shoot at the same basket. You know what I mean? So I, I never want to say it was a fluke, but um, you know, I, I think Milwaukee will, will, will come out. Um, and, you know, win this game probably in, probably in five. Uh, but you know, we obviously we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night. You know, obviously it's, playing. It's, 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 it sounds like you said it was a fluke to me. They went in the five. I'm just, I like I said, it's tough. It's tough saying it's a fluke, man. You shooting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you shooting the same ball. You shooting the same. You know what I mean? But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, Orlando played a huge. They played a real good game last night. Um, yeah. So I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not a believer in the Greek freak uh, deep in the playoffs. I, I'm not. A, I'm not gonna be a believer in him honestly until he develop a, a consistent a jump, jump shot. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like your best player. Like we got to be able to go to you. You know, when we down 12, 13 points in the fourth, he, he a completely different player when he got the lead. When they down, it's a whole different ball. We can't be running plays for Chris Middleton when we need, you know, five, six quick buck, quick points. Shoot, so, Chris uh, Middleton, man, he's he an NBA all-star. He's an all-star, but, in the, in, you know, to win championships, you're talking about championships, like, it's going to take more than an all-star. You need your, your best player to be able to take over a game in a big moment, like, like you see Dame doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and CJ took over the other day, but for the most part, 
Everybody know what everybody know what his day time. Everybody sure. know what his day time. He, sure. he 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 play that get that look in his eyes, and um, you know every that's what you need to play off. You we seen LeBron do it in the past. We seen KD do it. Steph, uh, all the greats. You know Harden still got to do it in the big moments. Uh, they're up in their series. Toronto up in their series. Um, who's who else is up? Miami's up. Miami, uh, yep. Yeah, Miami up over over the Pacers. Uh, Denver's up one over the Jazz. Yep. Yeah, who else we got? Um, he tone threw me off of that graphic with the uh, the East West joint. The East. <laughs> <laughs> so, who, who, yeah. who else we got out there? Um, more, um, a couple more series I'm missing. Um, was up two now against Brooklyn. They played uh, today. Yeah, Brooklyn. But but definitely, man, the, the bubble, man, the bubble, man, they got some action going on, man. Um, and, you know, I'm like I said, I'm excited doing this time having some NBA playoffs in the month of August, man. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. Who's your best player right now in the bubble? In the best bubble, player, you got to pick one right now. I got to my history last year, none of that. Today, right now, what player are you taking them one in the bubble? James Harden. Oh, people sleeping on him. People have always had a knock on him, and he he's doing some some, he's, some some crazy things. From what I've seen, and from and he he said it first. Well, for what I'm for what I've seen, he turned mm-hmm. his defense up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that was one one of the things that was a, a huge knock on him. Whereas you know he he liability on the defensive side of the you know what I mean yeah. on the defensive end of the court or whatever. But right now, man, um, instant bucket. Instant bucket. Every time, every time he get the ball, he can put it in the rim, or he's gonna make plays for his teammates. You know what I mean? Yep. So, um, being able to get some people around him. Um, if I was, you know, like you say, I was in the bubble, we was open gym. I'm picking him number one. And Who you got? Who you he's got? A, he's, a, he's a bucket, man. James Harden. I think third player to average thirties in straight in three straight seasons. He's definitely a bucket. If I, I mean, it's hard. It's hard. I'm a LeBron guy. Through and me through, too. Man. Me it's, too. It's, it's hard for me to, to look at, but from what I've been watching, as far as right now today, I can't go with LeBron. I would either have to go Kawhi Leonard or, or, or Dane. And, okay. Um, man, I I'll probably go Kawhi. They're up in their series too. Yeah. Um, I probably go Kawhi, man, just because of what he does consistently on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, he got he got a bag. He got a bag as well on offense. You know. Yeah. Fundamentally sound. Um, it's unstoppable in that mid-range, hits the three, gets to the rim. And like I said, what he does on defense, um, better than anybody else in the league, uh, especially on the perimeter. Like, I, I got to go with Kawhi, man. Defend the champ. Um, so we're going to see if he, can, if he can get them Clippers. That's my pick to win it all, the Clippers. The I got, Clippers? I got the Clippers coming out of the West. Okay. In the got East? Raptors coming out of the East. Okay. Yeah, they're gonna try to defend their throne. Kawhi gonna knock them off, and then Kawhi gonna be in the goat conversation. I I definitely um I definitely got you uh got the East Toronto in the East that West man I, that West is tough. Yeah, it is. That West is tough. That West is tough. My I'm brother, a, um, I got Houston winning it all. Yeah, I, I can't see. Nah, yeah, I don't see that happening either. Because the the way they play the game, man, they have to be on every night. As far yeah. as like shooting the ball, like every yeah. night, and that's that's tough. That's tough that's to tough. ask. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Have everybody on now. Yeah, yeah. Same, you're not, no, same ribs, no traveling. Like, no traveling. That's huge. That changes them. Who you got? Who you got come out the west? Mm. Man, I'm a um. 
I'm gonna stay in LA. I'm gonna I'm go with the Lakers. Like I said, I'm 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 gonna go with the Lakers, man. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm gonna go with the Lakers. I'm gonna go with the Lakers. Lakers Raptors. Lakers Raptors. The early finals prediction. All right. Man. Yeah. 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 All right. What yeah. else we got? Uh. So the playoffs, playoffs been dope. What else we got? Mm-hmm. Shoot. Sure. We, we keep it keep it in the the month of August. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Training camp. Um. You know we 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 in the the middle of training camp. You know guys. You know. Yeah. Finally getting um to put the full pads on, you know, full pad of practice and mm-hmm. you know, guys getting after it, man. But uh unfortunately, like it's like every year, you know, you gonna have injuries. Um yeah, and, and, and and you never wanna see it, especially you know, sending season ending injuries um yeah. on the first couple of days, man. But you know, it happens and we know that, you know. Um I oh, guess okay. I guess one of the, the big ones was uh Gerald McCoy. You know, we we, yeah. we kind of we spoke on this um last last episode, yeah, last episode. As, as far as the defensive line out there in Dallas, man, and how they had a um a deep core out there, but you know, he tore his quad. Um, how you think that will affect uh the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, it's definitely gonna affect the depth up front. Uh mm-hmm. and Gerald McCoy, when he's healthy, man, he he, he can be a game worker. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you know what 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 that does for the guys behind them on that front level. If you got disruptive guys, or they may start demanding double teams, that changed everything for the defense. Makes everything better. Um, I think him getting him getting hurt, uh, it, it's a it's a it's a blow to that defense. But I think they're definitely talented enough to um to overcome it. You know, it's gonna be next man up. Somebody got to step in and take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, but you know, like you said, it's part of the game. And I, I hated to see him go down. Uh, you know, he seems like a great guy. Uh, been in the league for for a while now. So, um, but we next next guy got to step in and take advantage of the opportunity, man. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Um, so I was I was <clears throat> seeing a lot of back and forth as far as like we talking about the business side of it now. So I yeah. think he had signed a six million dollar deal. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was three million dollars up front. Oh no no no, that was um that was Everson Griffin. But uh, McCoy signed. I think he had like a three year deal. He had a three-year deal. He had a three-year deal, but um, but it was a clause in there, injury clause. Injury clause, specifically, right? Specifically, yeah, specifically on his quads. I guess he came in there with some quad issues. Yeah, they said that it was um, it, it popped up when he took his uh his physical. Yeah, that it was some quads on. So um, you know, maybe you know, red light on the quad or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as far as you know, he get injured and them cutting him. Like, how do you feel about that? Like. Man, it, it, it's it's tough, man. Uh, and from the business side of it, if I'm running the business side of the Cowboys or a football team, it makes 100% sense. Um, this is something that was red flag. Come in, like you said, popped up on the physical, and they put in the contract. Like I said, once again, from a business standpoint, it's smart. You're going to protect yourself. You're going to protect how much money. Um, you're going to pay, pay players, especially when it comes to specific injuries. Mm-hmm. So um, it happened. It went down that way from the personal side of it. Um it's tough and it definitely looks bad. Like, damn, I'm hurt. Now y'all just get rid of me. But he yeah. did get three million. I think they paid him three million that they're not getting back. Um and hopefully he gets healthy and if he wants to give it another go. Um, you know, he don't play a long time, make a ton mm-hmm. of money. And if he wanna he wanna give it another go, at least he'll be a free agent and he'll be able to um, you know, find find his best fit to 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 go and hopefully chase that um get that ring. All right. How you man. feel about it? Um I I'm I'm with you, bro. Like Mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of times, man, if if we can understand the business side aspect of it, yeah, when we first get in the game, it wouldn't be so personal. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, you know, the 
you know, we all I always want players to get as much money as they can. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then it's that's why we sign contracts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you know, what I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, business side, I I, I definitely get it. Um, I'm pretty sure he was probably comfortable um, with the situation, knowing, um, you know, what he was coming in with. I'm pretty sure they had some type of talks. I'm pretty sure um, Dallas front office kind of, you know, probably made that, had those talks with his agent. His agent probably mm -hmm. relayed that to him as well. I'm pretty sure he felt comfortable in his abilities, being able to go out there and do his thing. So, um, shoot, if the player is good with it, team's good with it, shit, who am I? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean that's that's part of the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like shoot, said, man. Standing there is key, man. So yeah. that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be a good uh we're gonna have a great conversation later on with Mikey Taylor. Yeah, you matter of fact, former, former pro skater. Matter of fact, he's in now. Um oh, okay. So shoot, you know, we can bring him in now, man. Um all right, we're back and we here and really excited for our next uh our next guest, man. Um former professional skateboarder. Um, co-founder of the State Archer Brewery, um, co-founder, president, and managing managing principal of Commune Capital, uh, which is a private equity real estate investment firm. Man, and uh, we're gonna bring him in. With no further ado, Mikey Taylor. What's going on, man? Money. What's, up, what's going on, guys? <laughs> what's going on, man. Happy to have you. Oh, pleasure. Sure. Pleasure is all mine. Yeah. So before we um before we got on, man, you know, I was kind of just interested in. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about your skateboarding career and, you know, all the great things that you uh, that you did with that. But, you know, here we always talk about, you know, after um, after career stuff, you know, you know, we 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 do what we do It's really short term. We get done. We get out of the game. We're still pr pretty much young. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was asking you about the, uh, your private equity real estate investment firm and kind of like what, you know, took you to that place. or like what made you want to go that route? So uh, it's a long story, so bear with me. It'll all make sense. Uh, when, I, when I told my parents I was going to be a pro skateboarder, uh, they kind of panicked. It was such a small sport at the time and so different than the conventional path that kind of all of us thought I was going to take. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my dad being a little bit fearful, his kind of uh, uh, comfortability in it was, you need to go speak to my guy, Randy. And Randy... Uh, ran a multifamily office, meaning he managed a bunch of families' money. And then they also had a, a private equity division. So they were investing in their own investments that the families could then invest with them. And so my dad was like, yo, if you convince Randy to help you with your money, then I'll feel, I'll feel at peace with this. So I'm 19 years old, 1920. I meet this guy, Randy, and I'm not making enough to really have the conversation with them. Like I'm making 50 grand a year at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his clients, they make more money. And so he's mm -hmm. like, what do you need? And I'm like, well, I'm skateboarding. I don't know what I'm going to do afterward. And I need your help figuring it out. And thank God he was like, okay, I'm going to help you. And actually mentored me through the process where he started teaching me how money worked, how to put myself in position to even invest into things so that I'd be in a good position when my career ended and went through the transition into the next thing. Well, in that kind of plan that he created for me, one of the big components was investing in real estate. And, and it was ultimately, how can I invest in assets that I could achieve financial freedom, meaning my investments paying me enough interest off them to support my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that, I think it was really him. Real estate was such a big component of their business that I blindly followed because I was so scared of life afterward. 
Mm-hmm. And then once I experienced how it worked, uh, I loved it. I, I loved the idea that I could have cash coming in that I didn't have to work for, and it just kept coming in. So I think it was that experience with him that led me to eventually creating my own company. Man, that's 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 dope, man. And you know, <clears throat> guy like myself, um, it's kind of like one of those same things. Like when you're in it, it's like, okay. Well, I don't know when it's just going to end. I don't know, yeah. you know when I'm gonna get injured or when I'm gonna stop loving the game. Um, but again, you know, what am I going to do after, man? So it's, it's, it's beautiful, man, to hear, you know, you know, you're not, you know, it's going to be one of those statistics where, you know, after you're done, you know, you're struggling or whatever the case may be. So that's, that's beautiful, man. That's right. Yeah. So really to answer your question, I had great guidance that basically brought me to it and then I was in. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we all need that. We all need that. Like you said, you, you knew skateboarding. And um, right. that was your thing. So that was that was dope. So let's uh, let's talk about your, your skateboarding career. Um, I think, uh, well, you was like 20 years, like what, 15 pro? I was 15, uh, 15 years pro, uh, skateboarded for about 22 years total. Mm, OK, so what, what got you into skateboarding? Uh, gosh, man, when I was younger, like one of the cool kids had a skateboard and I just wanted to be cool and fit in. So I got one also. Yeah. And it just grabbed me, man. It was the first thing that like basically consumed me and then never let go. And that's ultimately what got me into becoming a pro skateboarder. is I just didn't want to stop skating. Yeah. So I turned into like, okay, if I have to get a job, that, that means I'm not going to be able to skate as much. So how can I hack my way out of that and continue mm-hmm. to skate? And mm. that's when I convinced companies start giving me money to do it. So how um the the amateur to pro, like how does that process work? Like, you know, obviously, like you said, um, is it when companies start putting money into you as a skater where you can turn pro? Was it like a certain amount of time? Like, how, how does that work? Yeah. So basically, uh, amateurs get paid as well. Okay. So if you're an amateur, if you're getting paid as a skateboarder, you're an amateur, you don't turn pro until a company starts marketing your name. Mm, okay. So they'll start selling your name. So Mikey Taylor on skateboards, Mikey Taylor on uh, shoes, Mikey Taylor on clothes. That's what officially turns you pro. Uh, and you make more money as a pro, but a lot of people think, oh, if you make money, then you're pro. N- not the case. They've got to sell a product with your name on it. Hmm. Okay. You talk about the, the skateboard. So what? Over 100 signature skateboards? seven seven signature shoes like that's what i want go ahead i I had i had a lot and i mean i'm one of those examples where i I thought my career was gonna last four or five years and it just kept going longer and longer and longer so you know after 10 years yeah i had 100 boards but you know considering three graphics come out each quarter and i did it long enough i just it was just the numbers that got me there. Nah, that's, that's dope because I'm a shoe guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm okay. a shoe. I'm a shoe guy. So I, I watched a little video um, of uh, you talking about one of your shoes and how you was like, you know, it was kind of easy process where you kind of wanted something clean um, and something that looked nice. So, you know, that was something that, you know, growing up, I was like, man, if I could create a shoe, man, I'd love to do that. Yeah, that was fun, man. That was a huge one. That So, so in skateboarding, a lot of people get to the point where they have their own skateboard, right? They turn pro, they have their own skateboard. Not a lot of people get to a point where they have your own shoe. Mm-hmm. And yep. when you get your own shoe, that's when actual money comes in because the amount of units you're selling is so much greater than a skateboard. Right. And so that was like a huge milestone. I got my first shoe. It was like, oh my gosh, I now have a product that can cross over to non-skateboarders, right? If you're going to buy skateboards because you're you want to use a skateboard, but at that time, a lot of people were buying skate shoes that didn't skate. 
Mm-hmm. So that was like, you know, when actual money started coming in was when I got a shoe. So it was a, that was a cool moment for sure. That's All right, I'm back mm-hmm. in, fellas. Can you hear me? All right, good. We got you. Good. You good. All right, good, good, man. I've been listening the whole time. Super, super dope convo, man. I got, I got a question for you because I got into skating. Well, not really skating myself, but the video game, when the Tony Hawk, mm. uh, that video game come out, how did that change things for you? So Tony Hawk, the game coming out, like, like, look, I played it as a kid too, man. Mm-hmm. I'd be up all night playing it. But yeah. Tony Hawk game, I think because it reached so many people, that's what actually brought our industry from just being a core kind of very niche world to yeah. mainstream. Yeah. And yeah. so what it ended up doing is, you know, skateboarders at that point, I don't know, maybe we made 30 grand a year, 35 grand a year. Now all of a sudden the first guy made over a hundred grand a year. A couple guys yeah. made 200 grand a year. So mm-hmm. it it made it so that pros could actually make a little bit of money. And then down the road, you know, we had our first pro that made over a million bucks a year. So that was massive as far as how long a pro can skate and the amount of money they can make. Yeah, I know. Cause I, I'd never been exposed to skateboarding. That, that was literally my first exposure to skateboarding with his game. And I probably played it, uh, played it for a while. It was a, it was a cool ass game. That was <laughs> so a cool I, just game. Wanted, I just wanted to know how, how did that affect you as a skater? So uh, you, you answered that greatly, man. But uh, yeah. I'm, I want to ask you because I look at that shit, man, and I'm like, man, these dudes are crazy. I'm pretty sure people <laughs> probably watch football and be like, man, these dudes are crazy, man, right. running to each other. But then I'm looking at you riding on a skateboard, you jumping on a rail, or you, you know I mean, you're on a skateboard, you jumping down st- stairs. Like, that doesn't, I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point in time, it's like, you know, it's like second nature to me. But at any time um, in your mind, you like, okay, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little shook, I'm scared. Like, it's it, yes. The answer is yes. To all of it. it. It's probably similar to how you guys were when you play sports, when you play yeah. football. It's like, it, are there moments where you're scared? Yes, of course. It's just you stop yourself. You stop the fear from stopping you from doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. That mixed with the amount of time you guys played, the more time you play, the more confidence that you gain. Right. Same thing happened with skateboarding. It's like when I was a kid. Yeah, there's no way I was jumping on a handrail. Yeah. And then I got a little better, a little bit better. Then I jumped on my first small handrail. And then you build confidence as you do it. But no, there wasn't a time where I wasn't scared. I just learned how to overcome it in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, okay. look, I'll, I'll tell you guys straight up. I'd rather jump down a 20-star handrail than go out in the field. <laughs> you guys yeah, I, was about, I was about to say, we, we, it's something wrong with us, though. We, we not, it's something got to be off to do what we do. Because, uh, I mean, I see what y'all do. But, it's you know, you break a bone and heels. That football stuff now, watching it from this side, it's like, man, something was really off because 99% of the time, we don't even think about the real injuries and stuff that, that can be caused until somebody's laying there on the ground. That's then right. that's the time we all kind of like, damn, like, you know, we all kind of one play away. So, um, but it, it, it's like you said, it's, it's what you're supposed to be doing. So you find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But you know what, though? I'll tell you guys straight up. I think you guys get hurt way worse than we do. Yeah, I, I probably, it, probably I probably agree with that. <laughs> it, it, you it? know, it's it's really rare. It's so rare for a skater to have a career-ending injury. It's yeah. so rare for us. Yeah. But like that's kind of common for you guys, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It's I mean the thing about us, it's a hundred percent injury rate. You're gonna get hurt. It's just about how you deal with those injuries, how yeah. you prevent those injuries, and that kind of yeah. would lead me to uh to my next question with you because we kind of talked about it with Randy on the business side of things. Uh, but on the skating side of things, did you have like a certain mentor or somebody that kind of took you under their wing and kind of was like, hey, Mike, you don't do this, do that? We talk about that a lot on this show 
about doing that with younger guys, you know, just learn mm -hmm. how to take care of your body, learn how to manage off-field things. So who was that guy for you if, if, if there was? So I had a mentor outside of the skate world. I had, I had a mentor that helped me with finance. Uh, inside of skateboarding, I didn't actually. And that's, that's one thing that's different about skateboarding than other sports is there's no coaches, there's no teachers. Like you just kind of figure it out on your own. Yeah. So working through the skateboarding industry, dude, I just did my best to try to navigate through trying to, you know, move up. Yeah. Uh, as, as far as, as Randy, he's the one that, it, he's the one that was basically changed the trajectory of where my life was headed after skateboarding. Yeah. Right. That, that was where he played the biggest role uh, mm -hmm. that now I am so thankful for and why I do something real similar to you guys is I try to give back everything he did for me to the next generation so that, yeah. you know, we can get a larger group to have a better experience after our kind of industry ends than the rare few that pull it. Right. Yeah. It's the, the mm -hmm. numbers just aren't there. Yeah. True. So very true. I'm, I'm same, with you guys on that one. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's something you, you actually said, um, and it really goes back to kind of that generating wealth because athletes, we, especially in today's athlete with people coming into the league with brands and things with social media and things like that. And there's so much money that's being made. But uh, something you said earlier probably went over some people's head, like just how money truly works. And even mm -hmm. like something else you said with Randy and him managing multi-family uh, offices, I didn't even mm -hmm. know what a family office, office was, was until yeah. probably yeah. a year ago. And I'm, you yeah. know, I'm in the league and I'm, you know, working for billionaires and they obviously have family offices. So just kind of, just even to get through in that mindset, just uh, let us know uh, like what, 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 what uh, really is a family office and just kind of how, what's the one example, one glaring example that jumps out is like, okay, this is truly how money works or how wealth is generated. Okay. So a family office, uh, there's a single family office and a multifamily office. Ooh. A multifamily office means that there's a group that is going to manage multiple different people's uh, portfolios. Mm -hmm. So you might manage 10, 20, a hundred, a thousand different people's money. A single family office is when one person makes so much money that they need an entire team just to manage their money. So yeah. like, you know, and I'm kind of guessing here, but I feel like LeBron James would have his own single family office. He's mm -hmm. making enough money where you need a whole team just dedicated for him. Yeah. Uh, that Randy, who became my mentor, they managed a bunch of different families. They managed my dad's money is what mm -hmm. led to the connection uh, with myself. Yeah. Um, as far as the principles to finance, you know, through my experience, it's more behavioral than anything. It's mm -hmm. like, as far as investing goes, it's not that difficult to understand. The hard part Agreed. is getting yourself to be disciplined and consistent to carry on and you're at odds with so many different aspects to it. It's like lifestyle is a big one for us, right? Like Huge. we get yeah. used to a certain type of lifestyle, right? Sure. It's so easy for us to move up in lifestyle. The last thing we ever change though is lifestyle. So, you know, putting yourself in a position where you start making more money, but don't increase lifestyle gives mm -hmm. you a higher uh, ability to be able to achieve financial freedom, right? That's yeah, a big yeah. one too you know, skateboarders, like, dude, we didn't make that much money. Like we didn't make millions. So mm -hmm. we're, I guess, and I'm kind of guessing here, but in the football world, we'd probably be like some of the guys that don't play that much that might make, I don't know what, hundred to 300 grand a year or something like that. Do those guys exist yeah. in football? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I've seen the minimum, the minimum is around like 500 grand, like, you know, okay. obviously two, two, three, okay, so, taxes. 
Okay, so check it out. Your guy's minimum is higher than the majority of pro skateboarders, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to really be disciplined with how we get our money to work. But what I learned was, I always had this idea that you can only achieve financial freedom if you're rich. Like rich, rich is the only way to do it. And through yep. my experience, it's not true. It's all about consistency. And it doesn't matter if you're making a hundred grand a year or $4 million a year. A lot of times the guys making $4 million a year struggle more. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. And that's because it's all behavioral at the end of the yeah. day. And then it's, it's, it's all about um, the long game. So that, yep. that, that's, that's what a lot of us, especially as athletes, uh, yep. We're so short, short term focus. You know, our goals are usually short term is what we got to do that day, that week, uh, that month, that season. And we That's don't right. really look and think out, you know, 10, 20, Definitely. you know, 50 years from now. And then when I'm gone, then who am I leaving? What am I leaving my kids? So it's yep. hard, for, especially young, especially for us. So, um, you know, we're making a bunch of money, but at the same time, our average career is, you know, three years. Yeah. So yeah. you out of, you, you retired from your first career. You're probably 28, 29 years old, um, if you're lucky. And now you have this whole life to uh, manage. And a lot of, and for the situation for a lot of us, we aren't coming from uh, great financial literacy. And the people that are working for us aren't really there to truly like help and guide and mentor and, and show you, I'm sure, yeah. a lot of the things that Randy showed. They just kind of there to get their managing fee and move on. And hopefully you bring two or three more clients with them. So it's so it's so important that um, you know that we find those people and put those right people around us and learn like you did. Get somebody that you can really take, get them to take you on their wing and learn from them, man. That's 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 some real game right there. No, nah, real game. 1,000%. One, 1, yeah. Another thing that I like that you said as far as um, when you started, uh, <clears throat> when you started the company was that, you know, you wanted to um, bring your friends along. Um, and and again, yep. that's something that you know myself and Debo we talk about as far as like in our locker room, um, being at the time where we all making a lot of money. You know, a lot of guys want to do things of their own. But as far as you know, bringing your friend along, creating a group um, where you can you know knock some of the risk out and things of that nature, man. Um, I, I definitely tip my hat off for you. Tip my hat off to you. You know what I mean? As far as just that whole concept of bringing your friends along, and you know we all can make money together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just better that way, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm sure you guys feel that in the, uh, I don't know if it's in the locker room, forgive me just because I didn't do, I didn't play conventional sports, but yeah. like for skaters, man, like it was all about community. It was all about mm -hmm. our group that went out and when we would film tricks, it wasn't who did the, the, the best trick. It was all about how can we all do the best trick that we can possibly do. So we're always hyping each other up, right? And so you experience that type of community. And then after skateboarding, all of a sudden you experience isolation. Like all yeah. of a sudden I'm like here by myself and like, where's everybody else that mm -hmm. I, I don't like that, man. Like I, yeah. I, I like, I want us all to succeed. It's like, what was the Jay Z line? Right? Like if you're the only one rich and everyone around hey. you broke, then you're broke. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's right. like, it, there's so much truth in that. Like true success is when everyone around you around is succeeding. succeeding. Yeah. Like so, I brought up LeBron. He's another great example of that. A hundred percent. You know, having a team and, and just building out and learning, learning the game as you guys go and uh, you know building each other up. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So let's talk about man, the Saint Archer man. Like, how did you? How did that concept um, come about? You know, um, you know, are you you a big drinker? You a big beer drinker? You know, uh, I mean, yes and no. Like, yeah. not like a uh, like I'm not a party guy. I, right. I just kind of never was. But uh, yeah, like, you know, skate events, like hanging mm -hmm. with the guys. Yeah, it was always beer, right? Yeah. And uh, 
basically I was on a film trip. We were filming this movie and the guy who was filming the video uh, uh, was from the surf industry. And so he, he okay, I, I'll bring it all together here. I got connected with the guy who made a surf film where he took the train with another pro surfer from San Diego up to San Francisco. And they stopped all around the coast, met with a different pro surfer and filmed this whole video. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do that inside of skateboarding and wanted me to be the pro. So we go down to San Diego first night. And while we're filming, I get a call from a friend, another pro skateboarder who wanted to start a sunglass company, which would later become a company called Glassy. And he called me, he's like, dude, I want to do the sunglass company. I want to call it Glassy. Do you want to start it with me? And I'm like, all right, let me think about it. Like I'm out here filming. I'll hit you later. And I hang on the phone. I look at Josh, who was the surf filmmaker. And I was like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, I, I just got this call from a friend about doing this company. And he was like, I mean, dude, it sounds awesome. But in our world, we always do the same things. Like we always do watches or clothing companies or, or sunglasses. Like what if we did something that had never been done in our world? Mm -hmm. And basically that was at about seven at night, midnight when we're about to go to sleep. I turn off the light in our room, we're sharing a room. And all of a sudden he goes like beer. Like what if we did beer? <laughs> right. And I hit on, I hit on the light. Right. I'm like, did you just say beer? <laughs> you know? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the greatest idea ever. We should do this. So wake up the next Make wait. We wake up the next morning. We basically abandon the film. We start driving home, and he goes, "Hey, hit up your friend P Rod. Like P Rod invests, and for those that don't know, P Rod is like one of the greatest skateboarders ever. Step on a skateboard, right? And so I call, okay. I I call P Rod. I'm like, "Hey, dude, we're gonna meet you off Canaan uh, at the Starbucks. We have this idea. So he meets us there the next day. We pitch this idea we had the night before, and he's like, "I'm in." And then us three basically set off to create a craft brewery. It took us about a year to figure out what we were actually going to do. Yeah. Uh, we opened doors the following year and then we had it for about three and a half years. And then we sold it to Miller Coors. That's dope. That's what's up, man. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I said, Miller Night Beer. Did you just say beer? I know the light bulbs probably just went off like, damn, this is perfect. It was one of those things too, man, where it's like from the idea to us opening it to then selling it, it felt like it, it was just an idea that was given to us and all the doors were open. Like it, it was one of those moments that just felt like everything aligned and like we couldn't have done it that well. Yeah. It just kind of happened, but uh, it, it was a it was a cool experience. What about your boy? Did he ever come out with this? Um, well, you say it ended up uh, the sunglasses. He ended up um, doing yeah. the sunglasses, right? So my friend, his name's Mike. His name's Mike Mo Capaldi, also one of the most talented skateboarders ever. Set on a skateboard, right? He creates Gla uh, Glassy, the sunglass company. Three and a half years later, he ends up getting in an accident and uh, has drop ankle. Like he hurt something in a, a nerve in his leg, and he couldn't lift mm -hmm. his ankle up anymore, mm -hmm. and could no longer skate. Couldn't skate anymore. Right. It, it ended his career. And because he created Glassy, he then was able to have something to fall back on. And that was such a good example to a bunch of new kids, like use your influence to build something so that once it's over, you then could step into the thing you created. So he was another yeah. great example of that. No, for he, sure. For he, sure. Did that. he did that right on time, man. Mm -hmm. Right on time. Right on time. <laughs> but yeah, man. So I know you said you're out in Cali, man. How you been um, adjusting with everything with obviously COVID, you know, shift. I'm sure you've had to pivot certain things uh, professionally and uh, personally. How's that been going? The hardest things been personally, truthfully. Yeah. Like we, we, you know, we have, uh, we have three kids now. We had two older daughters that were in school 
And then we had a new sun in the midst of it at the end of April. Yeah. So we had to make the adjustment of basically homeschooling. Yeah. Uh, and then the adjustment We're there too. Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we, you know, we had two, now we have three. So we made that adjustment. Um, and, you know, we, we found our groove. We feel pretty good now. Uh, and then, you know, there was an adjustment on the business end, just going through uh, how people, it, it was management more than anything. You know, our management company that oversees our assets had to go through a lot of changes because of state regulation. Mm-hmm. So adjustments made there, yeah. uh, but more, more than anything, honestly, man, like it, it was a moment where we started kind of preparing ourselves for where the opportunity was going to lie through this. It's like yeah. through times of uncertainty, you got to do that a hundred percent. So even though to. it feels shitty and uncomfortable and chaotic and that the world's going to end in these moments, this is where opportunity is created. Like at the end of 08, 2009, 2010, we have some of our greatest tech companies that were created in that moment, right? Absolutely. So what is going to get disrupted through this that is going to give new people the ability to start something and going to kind of expand as the economy, you know, goes through a uh, rebuild. Yeah. So, you know, th- we are looking at this and do think that this is possibly going to be one of the greatest wealth building moments of our lifetime. I so agree. there was that as well. Uh, and now we're starting to see that happened now, you know, it took about four months to where we're starting to see some of the opportunity come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But in that, right. It's like, this is a moment where it's the age of information, right? Like information is everywhere. And I think people are so much more disciplined now than they were in 2008 through uncertainty that everybody knows, okay, there's uncertainty. That means there's opportunity. I'm not going to panic. Yeah. I'm going to hold yeah. my money. Right. But you, challenges, you don't want to catch a falling knife, right? You don't want to be in too soon. You want to wait yeah. and be patient and see where the opportunity truthfully is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're starting to see that happen. I think it's going to kind of go more and more as time transpires, but yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll see you in a little bit. Right. Um, but th- I think that's going to be pretty big. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, no, yo, you good. My daughter hit the light off. Give me one second. Sorry, guys. No problem. Sorry, boys. That's the uh, kind of world we live in over the last hey, four that's, months. That's, right? that's hey. the world we're in, man. Hey, we're used to it. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so the big thing about this, man. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a. A, a whole new world, honestly. Um, and, it's, it, it, and it's like you can't be the last to realize that. You got to start adjusting, adapting, moving right. forward, finding, finding, you finding right. your lane. That's right, hundred percent. Yeah, man. Shoot, man. Um, go ahead, Debuck. No, I was just gonna say we got. We're gonna let you go get with your family. Uh, I know, growing up, just I'm looking at all these sports right now on TV still. And um, so, have you been following sports? Or did you follow sports growing up? I guess traditional sports. You know what? Uh, you guys are gonna get on me for this. No, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, Not it was like no, no, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, I mean, a little bit. Like, you know, yeah. I don't want to say like I'm a you know diehard, but no, not that much. Truthfully, it was always skate for me. And when I was skating, yeah. it was you know honed and focused yeah. in on my yeah. yeah. And then now it's like you know, uh, you know, I do go places. Like sports are everywhere, right? But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, it doesn't look the same right now. Just being a spectator <laughs> looking in, like. I don't it's know. Different. It's definitely Without different. The, yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, how how, how uh, What's going on with the football season? Still up in the air? Well, yeah, actually, in a, the pro season is uh, pretty much started. Um, it's, we're okay. in training camp right now, and um, it was an abbreviated training camp. No preseason game, so they're going to go right into the real game. 
But um, NFL's been 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 operating on schedule. They've been a part of that uh, adaptation. Obviously, all you know, you got a bunch of different safety protocols. Um, you know, they they did the draft completely virtually. Um, but mm. they're, they're they're going forward business as usual. You know, those those, those pockets got to be lined, man. Those got to got to got to keep operating. So <laughs> got to. Um, they're going they're going to figure out how to make it work. And obviously, the players yeah. are adjusting as well. I feel that. So then, what's the hang up right now on the college side? Yeah, yeah, the college side, yeah, and it, yeah. it's different there because you got, you know, you got quote unquote amateurs, amateurs. for one, mm-hmm. and um, so you got a lot of, I'm sure, uh, legal things that that are they don't want to be liable for with it, with the guys on campus. So um, and, and plus you got a bunch of, you know, when you got when you're dealing with a group of pros compared to dealing with a group of college kids, like you're gonna have a whole different set of issues, especially when you're talking about trying to keep this virus at bay. So, um, I, I doubt we'll see any anything close to a normal college season. Okay, yes, so let me sure. ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this, guys. I'm going to hit you with a question. How, how challenging would it be for athletes in the industry now to stay focused through something like COVID? Not being able to play for months and then get back in. Is that a challenge for guys? Um, I would, yeah, I, I don't think it's um, much of a challenge, you know, just because of um, just how our offseason uh, typically is. You know, normally – you know, if you make it to the playoffs, um, January, Super Bowl, February, and then from there, um, you kind of got to work on your own anyway. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, we have uh, off season with the team, uh, team uh, activities, uh, I would say about two months, and then you get another break and you're working on your own. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of guys don't, they don't like the OTAs or, you know, those two months where, you know, where, where you're with the team and you're doing team activities. So um, I think for the vet guys, I think we can yeah. kind of handle it, um, handle it better. But then we have those like those incoming rookies who trying to find out, find their way. I think it might be a little tough for them. Um, but hopefully, you know, they have some vet guys around them that can kind of show them the, the lay of the land when they do get in the locker room. But um, maybe I kind of was speaking for yeah. myself if I was in that situation. Yeah, how, Tw- Tw- how, Tw- how Tw- I was definitely, definitely <laughs> speaking for for himself. And, uh, you know, I was – Cut from pretty much the same club as Swan, though, as far as offseason took him serious. And I could return back to, uh, you know, back to the facility in better shape than I would when I would have been if I was there, honestly, in my offseason. But for a lot of guys, that's not the case. It really depends on, you know, where you are in the country. Um, I'm, I'm from South Florida, so working out down here is easy. A bunch of guys have homes down here, train down here. So it's easy to train with other guys and stay in shape. But a lot of these guys, man, when they go home, Honestly, football is probably the last thing on their mind. You know, they're hanging out with different groups of people, doing okay. different things. And the further, the longer they're away, um, the further they're going to be away from being in, in real football shape. So now you kind of got a collection of those guys come together. And you got to figure it out. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. it. I feel that. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Hey, we, we appreciate you, man. This Definitely. Is, this is great. Great stuff, great, man. Great conversation, man. Um, very, you know, impactful insightful man and i'm definitely gonna be reaching out to you man pick your brain some more man just on what you what you got going on man and um again man we appreciate having you i'll tell you guys what let's definitely keep in in contact because if there's any way that uh i can be of assistance to help you know the younger generation in your world i think there's something that you know even though you guys didn't skate i didn't play football as as pro athletes, there's a very similar experience that we go through, right? And it's, Fact. you know, there's a financial side of it, but there's also like, who are we after our career ends? Yeah, the identity side of it, that's the big part. A hundred percent. So uh, anything I could help you guys with on that end, please let me know. And I'll be following you guys on social as well. 
uh, just to see the journey follow through. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate right, it, Mikey. Have a good one. Nah, you, All too. Right, you too. All right, we're gonna answer some of these questions from um from my from our Twitter followers. Um, the first one, I think this is a good question. Um, the percentage of defensive players who have smarts and not just ability. That's so the question. That's the question. <laughs> So the percentage, the percentage part is going to be tough, but I'm going to ask you, D-Buck, 11, mm -hmm. you got 11 guys on the field. Yeah. On the defense, on the side of, 11 guys on the defense side of the ball. Give me the number of guys on the side of the ball that has the smarts, and then you give me the guys that, you know, no football, but mainly is about ability. Yeah, okay. Um. Damn. So – I think it's just levels. It's levels, really, because it's it's, mm -hmm. it's a certain, you know, football one-on-one -on -one stuff that, you know, everybody pretty much knows when you want to be in that, that room. Um, but then as you get older, you just kind of learn more things. You learn more things. You stack it on, try to prepare. I would say guys who kind of are at that level really can get other guys lined up and stuff like that. It's probably you got two or three of those guys on the defense. Mm -hmm. And if you got any any more of that, that's probably a really, really good defense. So I think of like, um, you know, that San Francisco defense with Bowman and Willis, like that whole core, like they, that was a, that was a group. Um, that Denver defense, leaving uh, Chris Harris, uh, T.J. Ward, all the boys. That uh, that deep, the Legion of Boom. Like I yeah. feel like those guys. It was like seven, eight guys who like were on that top level, and that's sure. why they click and play like that. So I would, but I would say on average probably gonna get two or three guys that really know uh like really really know what's going on and then um mm -hmm. you know, everybody else is kind of they, they, their job is to get everybody else on the same page yeah no nah, i, I kind of agree with I, that I, I, what you what you feel <laughs> i kind of agree with that um i would typically say um like you said two to three guys where you know you can have a guy maybe on each level um mm -hmm. you know safety um i mean even corners uh linebacker yep. and then on the d-line um Typically, I would hope um, it was one of my safeties, yeah. um, my linebacker who's getting, you know, getting the, the front um, situated and mm -hmm. one of my, you know, like you said, one of, one of my guys up front. Um, and then, like you said, if you get lucky, you might have, um, like you said, like Pete Willis, Bowman or whatever, the Legion of Boom, where you have all, you know, the, a number of guys that yeah. can um that can run the defense so i'm i'm definitely with you on that and that and that was a good question because That's a lot of question. times a lot of times you do have players where look man just tell him where to go tell him what he has <laughs> to do and leave him alone you know what i'm saying right. and and you you have you have players like that so um definitely yeah. a great question yeah for sure so if i if i had to pick just pick back on what you were saying if i had to say all right you got three guys on your team who are gonna know in your defense I would want, like you said, a safety because mm -hmm. they're they're communicating to both the corners and linebackers. The linebacker that's always on the field, the three down linebacker, yep. usually the Mike Mike linebacker middle. He actually gets the call from the D coordinator and the, the Mike in the helmet. So I mm -hmm. want him to know what the hell is going on. Because yep. sometimes those 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 mics go out and we got to go for sure. So sometimes we you know we we got a call that's uh you know it's, it's gonna be based off a closed call or maybe it'll be based off where it is tight end like we don't like so he gotta know all the moving parts and then um like you said somebody up front like vince wilfort was one of the smartest players 
I ever played with. Like he'll mm-hmm. watch film and he'll bring us in there on like a Wednesday or Thursday and be like, all right, look, I got to run past tail this week. Like, so basically if I'm in this stance and I put this, this up like this, it's a run, expect run or yeah. expect pass. So like when you got guys like that, mm-hmm. those are big, big difference makers, man. But that's a great question. Yeah, great question. Um, I got another one for you. It's a uh, pretty good question. Um, where is it? Um, so our DBs and zone taught to drop beyond the first down line or right on it on third down. Uh, you want to take it first, or yeah, I'll take it. So obviously, this is like a, a situational um, uh, situation. Um, on third down, you definitely want to drop um, to the sticks. Definitely want to drop to the sticks. You don't want to drop beyond that because you, we all know in the league, um, a pitch and catch fall for That's a that's a first down. Yeah. Um, obviously, the sticks, sticks is the first down marker. Yeah, first down marker. We call it. We call yeah, it sticks. Call it the sticks. Where you got where that offense has to get to, um, to get a first down. Um, on first, on first down in zone. Uh, what 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 I would teach my DBs and what I've been taught is um obviously in zone everybody eyes is um on the quarterback. Everybody eyes on the quarterback. Everybody who's dropping should see the same thing. Um, so not a lot of times we were taught that um you get in your drop when that quarterback set you should set. Say, yeah. And um, so that could be if it's a if a, if it's a deeper drop by the quarterback, you might be a little deeper. If it's a three step drop, obviously we know the ball is coming out quick, so you need to set up quicker. So um, in that instance, like I said, you know, <clears throat> in DBs when you're looking at the quarterback, when the quarterback uh, stops to set up to throw the ball, that's when the DBs uh, should set up. Yeah, I mean, you pretty not that one. Not, um, I, I guess the only thing I add on is. In zone defense, like we have like landmarks, you know, pretty much landmarks, like, hey, you know, 10 to 12 yards, you know, outside the hash or in between two and three or whatever your landmark is in that coverage. You want to get to that landmark and then you want to settle and have your eyes on that quarterback. Because most zone defenses, you want to, uh, I know we were taught in um, New England, we had a no cover zone basis. So, like uh, Twan said, first and 10, we're dropping back. Like, no cover, five and under, we're not, we're not covering that because a lot of offense put something in front of guys in zones and they want to hit the team that's behind them. So they want to put a little hitch route in front of you and throw the dig, the 15, 16-yard dig route behind you. So it's important that you get your depth. And then once the ball come out, since everybody is looking at the quarterback, everybody rallies and make that tackle. That's why uh, San Fran was one of the best teams. Uh, I think they were the best pass uh, defense last year because everybody was on the same page with that scheme. Send four, drop seven. When that ball comes out, everybody knows where they're supposed to be and they're rallying to it and tackling well. So that's, um, that's, that's, how, you, that's how you operate in a great zone defense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, two more questions. I'm going uh, to combine these. So the first part is, is it still possible to cornerback – cornerback blitz um and then the second part of that is um continuity in the secondary more important than ability so is it still possible to send a cornerback um on a blitz and then um continuity in the secondary more important than ability yeah well yeah i mean you you can definitely send cornerback blitzes you don't see them as much um, I think, you know, quarterbacks just adjust and you got built in hot routes, but you send that cornerback, obviously somebody got to be out there to guard them. And the corners are your best cover guys. So if you blitzing them, you're putting in a, a lesser coverage guy on probably a, a better athlete. So um, it's dangerous, but you can definitely do it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my, my take on the continuity on the back end, I think that's more important than ability. Uh, if you like, you look at that, that Seattle lead you to boom. You had, um, you know, and not a draft position or everything, but you had a fifth round, I believe, in Richard Sherman. I think a fifth rounder with Cam. The first rounder with Earl, and uh, you know you had Maxwell and Browner. I think Browner was undrafted free agent, so they weren't like you know elite ability guys. But when you got them on the field together, and everybody clicking on the same page, man, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm with you. I think that that continuity, man, um, that speaks volume. That speaks volume. Where, like you said, you can have a guy who. You know, not he's not a Dion, he's not a Pat P, where he can just lock mm-hmm. somebody down. But, um, you know, the 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 part of the game where you know he he's going to be where he's at. You don't have to worry about him. Um, he understands the game plan as far as communication. Um, the communication is there across the board. You know where they're going to be at. So if you can have so that, so important, in the, man. Yeah, it's so important. If you can have that across the board, man, with the four or five guys. If you say you bring a nickel in. Um, and everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows what they need to do. Everybody knows what the game plan is, who we're trying to take out or whatever the case may be. If you can have that, man, you, you, you're you great. If you can have a guy there who has all the ability in the world but mm-hmm. doesn't un- but do- doesn't understand um, the game, okay, this is what we're yeah. trying to do. This is why the D coordinator is making this call. Um, yeah. You know, that could – you know, I mean, it, the ability is making I mean, adjustments when they come to be on the same page of making adjustments. Hey, Twan, yeah. let's let's play. Let's go back and play this. You know how mm-hmm. we played it back in week six. Remember how yeah. we did that? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Like that's in the heat of the moment, like on the sideline or in the middle of a drive, maybe. So that's so, so, so important uh, because football is a team game, the ultimate team game. And I can do my job much better if I can trust the guy next to me to be doing his job. You know, and if I know what he's doing, I know, shoot, cover two. If I'm a nickel and I got a corner. I know that corner is going to come saw that outside leg off so I can haul ass and go full speed and saw the inside leg off and we playing on the, on the string. So um, uh, what Coach Hammer used to call it, the, the, uh, the June Taylor dance? The June Taylor dance, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hammer, man. We got to get, get Ham on here one day, get, man. Got to get Ham on here, man. Yeah, got to get Ham on here. Hey, look, right, so I want to I kind of um talk about, you know, we talking about, you know, questions for DB-wise, you know, um. If you don't know uh, D Buck, man, he has um, you know, his everything DB show, man, and he yep, does yep. A, a great job breaking down different coverages and um, just really giving it to you in layman's terms as far as fans, just kind of understand, you know, what the concepts of each coverage um, is and what 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 mm-hmm. it entails. So you posted some last night um, about two man, um, yep. and you know you kind of call that cover five um, mm-hmm. and two man, and you know you kind of mentioned and then you know obviously playing, you know I know Nickelbacks. They hate this coverage. Yep. Um, explain why the Nichols hate this coverage. All right, so two man, it sounds great. It looks great in theory and on paper, right? You play underneath. You don't really have to worry about the deep ball. Um, and ideally, you want to be between the receiver and the quarterback. Like, So if he's running a 15-yard out route as a cornerback, you want to be underneath it, like at about 13 and a half, 14 yards, and try to make the play. Uh, but the predicament that you're in as a nickel it's number one, if if you get beat across your face to the inside, like you have no help because everybody else is playing man to coverage. The middle of the field is wide open underneath. So you got no help. Same thing for the cornerback. Uh, but the other thing with us is we're responsible for the middle read route, which is if you know you got split safeties, you got two high safeties, like basically cover two safeties. 
where receivers convert their deep routes is right in between those guys. So if we're in our mind, we're playing two men, so we're aggressive underneath. But at the same time, we're responsible for that route with no deep help over the top. That puts us in a, in a really bad spot. So, um, you know, the good the, the, the good nickels, they got to adjust and they got to know exactly, you know, what, what this offense like to run. Should I back mm-hmm. off a little bit? Play uh, play high shoulder until I declare the other route. Did I just undercut it? Want some breaks? But it definitely puts you on um, puts you in a, in a tough spot as a nickel man. So we hate it. I know playing safety. I loved it a lot more playing safety. It was oh, a lot less sure. stressful. <laughs> a lot lot less stressful, man. So you back there, like you said, you know, <clears throat> cover two that shell. You reading that quarterback, and you know, for me, it's like you know, if I get a good uh, uh you know, a good nickel, uh, I'm not asking you to make that play. All I'm asking you to do is just be underneath and make that quarterback throw the ball um, higher so I, it'll give me more time to get there. So, um, yeah, but I, I definitely uh, – every 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 meet room that I was um, I was ever in, the nickel, they hate that coverage. Yeah, man, that's, 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 that's a tough one on the nickel, man. You got some variations, too, on the, on the video I put it up. Um, they actually played trap. So, mm-hmm. the trap variation uh, – that's when, because a lot of, a very popular route against two man is the, the slot receiver running an outbreaker, and then the number one receiver, the widest receiver, just doing a must outside release, just running the field, clearing out the space. So what um, Detroit and uh, Darius Slay did was they call a trap, and it basically once that corner gets that outside release, he peeks in at the number two receiver with a nickel's guard, and the nickel kind of passes it to him. And a lot of times the quarterback never sees him come off and make that play. So um, that's what that that's what happened in that play. So that's kind of the game within the game, and that's you know really mm-hmm. the game we can be all right now. But um, that's that's why we hate it, man. That's a, that's a scary <laughs> that's, a, that's a scary call coming in. It is, it is, and like I said, uh, the D coordinator they can help you out too, as far yeah. as you know um, when they're calling it. Um, don't call that that coverage and um in an obvious situation, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and you kind of mentioned on the film as well as um, not sure how long we're going to see that coverage just with the type of quarterbacks um, yeah. that's in the game. Whereas, you, like you said on the film, where uh, all of the, 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 the secondary um, backs are turned, you know, the corners, the nickels, um, even your linebackers, you know, just depending yeah. on who they're guarding, their backs are turned as well. So if you have a very mobile quarterback, he can get out of there and your next – Probably the closest people that's gonna be able to, to see him and get him is your two safeties who safeties, yeah. <laughs> 15 yards deep. So yeah, it actually happened to us when we played the Packers when and, and Aaron Rodgers kind of that quarterback that you always almost forget can scramble. Mm-hmm. And we played a rep of two men and the veteran quarterbacks, they know it as soon as they see it. They know once yeah. they see all the backs turn. And he took off for like 20 yards. And I mean he was 16 yards down the field before anybody in the back end even though he just took off running. So, um, yeah. tough coverage, man. You won't see much of it going forward, I don't think. But, man, but yeah, like man, I said, might, all the listeners. Whole another segment. The question whole another segment. Yeah, yeah. But, like again, again, like we said, man, everything DB show, man. Um, Y'all go check yeah. that out, man. He's, he's dropping some gems on there. YouTube, IG, all that. Yep, so this is episode nine, man. Plus the bonus questions. So this might be like a bonus episode or something. We went probably about what 15, 20 minutes on the um, questions. Probably good, so. good, very good questions though. Yeah, for sure. So uh, hope y'all enjoyed this episode, man. Y'all catch us next week. Um, you know, we at it again. I may be D Buck. E B the man, the man pie. We out.